Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. We are two Philly bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you. Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks because, because duality, duality is, is a thing. thing. Yes, oh! Hey, girl. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm well. You're well. On the 24th day of January, Enero, because you're learning Spanish. Enero. Enero. Veinticuatro. Veinticuatro. See? See. Sí. Sí. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, I'm a mess. I'm, um, I don't, I, I always think it's awkward when we have guests and then they're silent for our <laughs> updates. So I'm just I gonna, agree. I just, we're gonna give like the formal, formal intro. But y'all, I've been think I've been so excited. Shanti and I've been really excited about this guest for I think the past week. Um, we actually prepared. That's how you know we're excited. We talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, you know how to pronounce your name and shit. Yeah, she was like, girl, I've been watching her interviews and <laughs> she's talking that shit. <laughs> um, but we have Candice Marie Benbow here. Who? Hello, a big round of applause. Folks, Candace is super dope. She is Aww. many things, but she's a dope human first. Thank you. Um, she is an author, essayist. And I came to know you. Um, it was actually Shanti, I believe, who sent me 443. Oh, wow. And it just gutted me mm-hmm. in a way and made mm-hmm. me feel so seen. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, it is a beautiful essay um, basically about the women who don't make it to 444. Mm-hmm. This was after Jay-Z's album came out. And I think a lot of folks can relate to it. But I came to your to see you speak at NYU. You did? I came to see you speak at NYU. I damn sure did. I came through. And my and I, you should know that I came with a homegirl. Uh, my homegirl, Jamie. Shout out to you. And she came with who is now her husband on their first date there. What? And he was one of the few That's men that were vet at. somebody. There you go. And yes. he came through and he was super pleasant. And I didn't realize it was their first date, Chris. And Chris was asking you like really poignant there were not many questions. men there, so yeah. Wow! Yes, asking you poignant questions, and they got married this October. Oh, so, please tell them I said hello and congratulations. I absolutely will. But wow. y'all, you are really in for a treat. Candace is one of those. You know how we like to bring on guests that are much smarter than us. Oh, that have please. Larger vocabularies are more well read, oh, <laughs> and that is what we did today. Oh my so, goodness! Thank y'all, Shanti. Take, of course. Thank you for being here, and we're gonna have you give us some updates on yourself and everything in a for second. Sure. Yeah, um, so we just shoot, we just share what we've been doing or whatever. Just catch up. First and foremost, last week with our pea brain, I didn't say this. You probably did. Maybe you I, pro- did. I, I don't think I, I, I mean, did. I mean, I appreciate that you think that you didn't say that, <laughs> but you also called Snow Allegra <laughs> Snow, Snow Algeria. Algeria. 
<laughs> oh, oh my god. But anyway, <laughs> we called the late Mac Miller Macklemore on the last podcast. And I just want to clarify that any white rapper that we think is really good besides Eminem was probably Mac Miller. I don't know. Macklemore, <laughs> I don't. Who is Macklemore? Is he Girl. a rapper too? He, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's a, rapper. a rapper too. Didn't, isn't he the one that got the Grammy and then the like... Right. Oh. He's yeah. like he's like a white, white dude. Yeah. Like Mac Miller, I think, was like down for the uh-huh. cause and in the mix. Yeah. And Macklemore is just like... Anyway, uh, thank you for catching us on that. Please Apologize. feel free to correct Apologies us. Apologies to our white kings. <laughs> At all times... I um, forgot to mention this. I'm going to shout out two black women-owned businesses that have helped me personally. Um, You can't see the evidence today, but (laughs) last weekend you did. Last podcast on Patreon you did see. But I went into Martian, Maine, which is a black beauty supply boutique in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I said it with a T-H by accident. Philadelphia. Um, she is on 4th and South Street. Shout out to Janae, the owner. I know her. I went into the store looking for some curl products because as my hair is growing out, I'm just forgetting how to take care of my hair. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I was thinking that I needed a curl cream because I have like thicker curls. But girl, she showed me the Dew Mousse and... Shout out to the do products because I you're shaking your head, but so for my hair, mousse has never worked. Shanti That's like me Mayer's, telling you to use. I told shea. you about this product. Mona put me onto this product. I've used this product in front of you and told you to get it. Yeah, but we have completely different hair products. So that's like me telling you about a hair product. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, cool. That works no, for I you. To I would you. have you never. You told me to get kinky curly and I got it. But not a curl holding thing. That's a completely different Whatever, queen. ballpark. But I, I, either way, I missed the boat. But anybody, y'all need to check out the Dew Moose. It is amazing. Banging. It's amazing. It didn't dry it out. It felt really good. And shout out again to Marsha Mean. If you're not in Philadelphia, you can go to her shop online as well and and check out her they also products. sell it in target as well you got to send me the link but that's not where we want her to go we want her to go to a black I business to go <laughs> why would you say that i'm sorry i just wanted to like <laughs> that say is the that exact opposite very, incentive of it's, it's, what that whole widely available is all I'm saying. or you go directly to the site and get it you know whatever y'all float your well, i'm, I'm gonna be in philly right, this support. weekend so please tell me where to go so you need to check her out then okay. Yeah, Y'all check out link. Marsha Mae. Yeah, oh it's really cute. She has lots of cute little things there. So, okay. Are you having an event Jimmy. for the book? No. Um, my, my little sister, like my god sister, is getting married on Saturday. So I'm flying oh. in. To somebody from Philly? Um, Good luck. You're white boy. Psych. You're white. Shout out to Oh, he's a white oh, okay. guy. Where's he from? The South Philly? A Philly raggedy too. <laughs> <laughs> You got to find guys. out what kind of Philly white he is. Hey, let us he's know. like a, I'll make sure I find out and then I'll let you know. But he seemed like the oh, white, white boy. Oh, maybe Chestnut Hill. Then she's all right. Okay. Shout I'll find out. out. Shout out to that. Because <laughs> now y'all got me, now y'all got me, in, 
And no, change. we're playing. We're just jerks. You so, should. Well, if you have time, you should go check that. You should check. Yeah, I have. Out. I have time out. Friday, so I'm definitely not going on Friday. Yeah, we who it's around there. You should check out lots of places. Lots of dope black women owned businesses. Okay. Yeah. So on Monday we recorded, and I believe that Wednesday I started a three day fast. Mm-hmm. Only bro- only clear liquids. So it was broth. And an herbal tea, mm. straight for the three days. Mm. This was very difficult. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. And the second day, all I could think about, I was like Bubba in, <laughs> I was like fried shrimp, boiled shrimp, shrimp. All, <laughs> I was in bed with my daughter like, yo, Dodo, we're going to have some steak and double mashed potatoes <laughs> when we're opposite. done with this. She was like... Yeah. <laughs> My realization is that I just love food. Mm-hmm. I love eating food. I love cooking food. Mm-hmm. I love thinking about food. So I'm not... Listen, I, it, it's just not for me. It's just not for me. But I will say that after taking the fast... I my I, I can't even digest or like consume as much. Your belly yeah, just gets really, really small. Yeah. So it automatically puts a pause on how much I was eating. Yeah. Even up till now, I'm like, I can't that. eat all that food. So it was it was really good. It was a good experience. Day two was impossible. Day three, I was feeling really, really great. So I don't know what type of shit people are on when they get to day seven. Some people do it for months. Some people are breatharians. They just fucking did you call them breatharians? Like, they're breatharians. Oh, they is that don't a real thing? Or are you being funny? Yeah, girl. The 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 fucking go to India someplace. They just eating nothing. They doing all types of stuff. Us to India, child. Real, real, real self. You know, realized folks. But wow. I'm not there, and that was my biggest takeaway. Is like, oh, I really love food. I enjoy it, and I need to stop having this preoccupation and thinking mm-hmm. everything I put in my mouth is like a terrible thing because. I love it. It's it's pleasure for me. Um, but I want to shout out the woman that set it all up. Like I wouldn't have been able to do this without her, mm-hmm. but she set up um, quarts of the broth and then quarts of the tea blend. And then she also provided the food to break your fast. So like really delicious cereals and then smoothies and like pureed food. She really hooked it up. Um, Mia, she's Meals by Tribu and it's T-R-I-B- you tribu i'm actually may not be selling that uh saying that right but meals by tribu she's in philadelphia really dope good clean food and she like meal preps for you so if you are interested in doing kind of like an assisted fast check her out as well i think every woman Um, should do a fast right like a one day mm-hmm. fast, like a twenty four hour fast. I wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna incorporate that in like daily life. Like twenty four hours, boom, yeah. nothing. I think every woman should do it. Have you ever fasted, Infinite? Just do you hear how quiet I am? You didn't see her face. Um, she was like, mm-hmm. I did the blueprint cleanse What's a that? long time ago. It's like white people fast. It's like you buy. It's expensive. You buy all these bottles and you mm-hmm. have the juices, and it's unnecessary when you could really just do a cleanse of like, I'm just going to drink water. I, we have a friend who did a water fast for seven days, Mm. um, to reset her cells in order to like, 
you know, uh, it, some people believe that it resets your cells to fight off all like cancerous cells it in your does. body. Yeah. yeah. So she did it, was successful. She said she was felt like she was going to pass out the third day and then she felt great. But then she was like really weak <laughs> for, for like a week after. I just am so busy that I don't have... I can't see myself being able to sustain that, yeah. but I could, I could do a cleanse. I think that I would go slow with like, I, what I really want to do is eliminate sugar. Mm, that's my thing. Dang. I want to do that. Sugar is in so much though. So it's so hard. But yeah. the other day, what I did, what I have been doing is having my plate one putting my food on the side plates instead of a big dinner plate putting Mm -hmm. my food on side plates and then at least not half but at least three quarters of the plate is green and then the rest Mm -hmm. of the plate is is either protein or whatever so i've been doing that um and this might be (laughs) tmi but i uh, am on my menstrual cycle and it's like nothing. It's mm-hmm. like, are you there? And I haven't sex. So obviously something is happening. Like I'm not worried that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just so light. I don't feel really tired. And I was, I was, um, under the weather this, this past week. And I felt that I was able to recover a little quicker that I'm not as tired. I was able to work out mm-hmm. during that time. So I can definitely feel a difference. I just want a nutritionist in all honesty, like the cleanses and things, I feel like they'll come. But for me, I just want to learn how to eat best for me because I haven't figured that out. Mm -hmm. I know that the sugar and snacking is an issue. Like I don't buy chips and things like that anymore, but sugar and I don't drink my calories. I don't drink a whole lot of cocktails and stuff. It just be that sweet tooth I have, that pink berry call yeah i um i found out uh right at the end of the year that i have celiac disease um and so i'm getting a and i need a nutritionist to switch over gluten-free and one of the things that's just so wild is how much gluten is in everything literally everything everything. um oh oh Okay, so time out before we say this. I didn't know I was going to be on Patreon, so everybody needs to know that I was at the gym, and that is why I look a mess, <laughs> and not because I just don't care about myself anymore. Um, I want to. I just want to say that please. you don't look a mess. <laughs> you took that hair down. I girl. did. You look I was like, right. I said, wait a minute. Said, wait a minute. When she said Patreon, <laughs> I said, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> so, so, um. I got a, um, I want to do at least a sugar cleanse, a sugar fast. And I feel like the only way that I can do that is a nutritionist giving me a meal or something, like a meal plan or like, a, because mm-hmm. sugar is in everything. And I'm tired of looking at, at, the labels, because I don't know what microsorbiate and all these other words right. that you tell me are code for sugar or code for yeah. gluten and wheat. I don't know that. So I I realized that this year is going to have to be an investment in a, in a nutritionist. Yeah. How have you been feeling since you've, because I, I assume that you've altered some things? I have. So um, how have I felt? 
I can tell a difference. Um, I can I actually can tell a, a bit of a difference in my shape. Um, I feel less bloated um, in my midsections. Um, TMI. I'm about I'm about to start my cycle, and I'm wondering how that's gonna affect. Um, I can always tell when I accidentally have gotten some gluten in my system. Um, it blows up, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're pregnant. Yeah, and I don't feel well. And um, I, so last year, I kind of made this commitment to myself that I really wanted to um, think through what it meant to have a different relationship with food. Um, because my relationship with food has not always been a healthy one. Like I'm an emo- I'm a recovering emotional eater that if something happens, I'm going to go get some tater chips. Um, and, and I wanted to really think through how can food be a life source for me and not like mm. refuge in somewhere that I run mm. to. And um, I was talking with my therapist and we just was like, yeah, it's going to be important for you to have, for you to have a therapist, I mean, for you to have a nutritionist to really think through what, what food needs to look like for you going forward. Mm. Heard that. No, I, girl, I identify with what you're saying. (laughs) Um, I, I'm, yeah, I have to think on it because it's not cheap, and I'm like, it's important though because it's connected to it's connected to so much though. Yeah. It is, to, it is. Just like you said, your emotions, your, and again, we keep talking about getting older. It's like Ooh. you you can't go retroactively to like fix the yeah. what, years and years yeah. of stuff. It's like, oh no, this shit. It's like global warming. Like, no, this shit's been accumulating now. We ain't (laughs) just going to stop now. It's going to catch up. It's important. And I turned, so I turned 40 in December. I had the conversation. What? Are you a Sag on top of this? I'm a Sag girl. Oh, God. So I turned turned 40. I had the conversation with my my OBGYN about wanting a baby. Um, mm-hmm. And then the more I started reading about celiac disease and learning like the relationship between that and infertility, um, delivery problems, the relationship between if you if you have a severe allergen to uh, allergy to gluten, how that impacts your uh, emotions. There's a relationship between that and high bouts of depression, severe bouts. Mm. And it's like you sit and you look at all of the ways that this one thing affects so many other spaces in your body. And it's like, yeah, when you get older, you can't, you know, unring the bell. But it's like, no. whew, I can start thinking about you can start yeah. stuff coming back differently. Keep me keep me posted because are you in Brooklyn? No, I'm in Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. I don't know why I thought you were in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Keep me well. Keep me posted on that on that journey because okay. I'm. <sighs> I keep telling her. I want to. It's very expensive. You can tell me all you want. If you pay for it, I go tomorrow. But it's very expensive, and I do want to buy a home as well. So yes. we're gonna work it out. Um, but no, that that all sounds that all, that sounds amazing. I, I'm gonna look into it definitely. Uh, in other news, I was on. Um, 
See the Thing Is pod this week. We recorded today. This is my second podcast recording of the day and um, had great conversation there. So make sure you good people check that out with Bridget and um, Bridget Kelly and Mandy B. And then I realized, um, and it might be my gluten intolerance, the Shanti swears that I have that I probably do, uh, messing with me. But this week I I was like, fuck the cave, I want to get rich. (laughs) And I keep talking about going to my cave and just leaving the world alone and being, you know, and saying, okay, now you guys are into the metaverse and all this stuff that's just terrifying me and I just feel like it's all too much everyone's there's too much self-celebrity it's too much to keep up with I throw in my towel I'm gonna find my person and go to the cave and then I was on social media and I haven't been on there for a while and I saw this travel blog and was like, nah, I want to get rich. I want to go travel the world and enjoy my life. And finding the balance of those things are so difficult. And this is like, we talk about duality on this podcast all the time, but this is where that Libra in me is like, wait, over here, over here, which one? And I can't, I haven't found the balance of like wanting nice things and luxury but also wanting minimalism and mm. privacy and simplicity. Mm. And it is, it, it just feels, I just don't know where that balance is yet. And it's so frustrating for me because then you have, in order to get this luxury, you have to work, 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 mm. work, right? And then, but when, but everybody's telling me that I should rest. And I, I just, yeah. I, I was all over the place. And again, I was premenstrual, so maybe you know, oh, we maybe I've arrived and I'll ha- right, right, maybe whatever. But I don't know. I this week I am, I am, I want to be rich. This okay. week I'm very Jasmine Sullivan, the other side. You know, that's where I, how I'm feeling. Like I deserve get rich or die trying. Nice Heard things, that. absolutely. So, yeah, I went out to eat today and was and and knew that I shouldn't have and said I don't care. And now I have, I'm riddled with guilt, but here we are. It is what it is, child. But the other, I, I, I can save the other things because I want to get into, into, um, into it with our guest. Candace, what, do you have anything, any updates, anything you want to shout out? Um, girl, why are men? I think that's the, I think that's the question of the, of my Just life. why are they? Why are men? Like, <laughs> that needs to be on a shirt yesterday why are men why are men like i just i that that um i think i'll be asking that question forever but no it's funny i i've been settling into what it looks like for me to live in this space of luxury versus um this quiet life I want for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to a point where I'm like, yeah, this isn't, you know, I don't necessarily have to choose as much as like, what does it look like for me to carve it out in the ways that I need it and the ways that I want it. So like, 
I'm not going to feel really bad. I'm not going to feel bad for buying a bag that I really wanted because the bag represents the fruit of hard work that I've done. And I just really, really like that bag. Am I going to put it on the socials in the world of capitalism will kill us and any black woman that has a bag that costs have four digits in the price tag is um, and a capitalist that is anti-black? Probably not, right? <laughs> um, I, I want a farm. Um, I want acres. And I, I have seen sisters celebrate getting those acres and then peep and people like rip them a new one because it's considered hoarding. Um, and so hoarding like, resources. yeah, hoarding resources. And I'll never forget watching a, um, watching a, a conversation with Bell Hooks and her saying how important it is for black women to own land and be landowners. And also how important it is for black women to be landlords and use that as streams of, of income to sustain them in generations. And I've, I've literally had to figure out what it looks like for me to say, these are the things that I want for my life. And I, and I don't have to justify wanting them because I deserve mm-hmm. them simply because I am. Um, but what does it look like to navigate that publicly? I think that's a different a different story and I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I feel like we deserve luxury. I feel like we deserve to have what we want to have and people don't get to tell us or not even tell us, but they don't get to shame us for those, for wanting those things. It's weird. I think I shame myself. Yes. I shame myself. Yeah. yeah, I shame my like I mean, this time of year. Every I'm sorry, Shanti. This time of year, whenever I walk down the street, like I I bought a new coat and it's an ugly coat, but it's a <laughs> it's a really warm coat. And I was gonna return it. I I felt shame because I have coats and I didn't really really need this coat, but I don't like my other coats. But this coat was much warmer. And I thought it was cute until I saw myself in the mirror and was like, this is only cute open. You ever had a coat like mm-hmm. that? It's like, this can't be buttoned up. Right. But I was walking down the street and it was freezing and there were all of these homeless people mm-hmm. on the street. And I was like, why did you buy this fucking coat? You don't need this coat. There's people outside freezing. Went back in the house and was like, I'm going to return this coat. It's not messed up. I wore it once. And I had one of those tags the coat had one of those tags where if once you take it off, you can't return it. Uh, and so I couldn't return the coat and I started crying mm-hmm. and was full of shame and mm-hmm. guilt of like, why do you have a closet full of coats and it's still not enough? And like had to sit with that. And I was like, and I was like, this is not about this coat. This is about a lot of other things yeah. in me. But it's, it, I rarely, everyone in my life tells me I deserve all the luxury in the world. It's me. It's me being like, no, maybe, no, you don't. Or, but there's, it's, I I think it's coming from a place of scarcity too, of like, Mm -hmm. there's not enough for everyone. So you, you have to live really simply so everyone else can be okay. Yeah. And we, and we get those messages um, in ways that 
broader society white folks don't get. Because the truth of the matter mm-hmm. is, is that there is enough for everyone and we aren't the ones who are hoarding the resources, right? But we take a certain level of ownership because even in our communities and in our relationships, we see where, and in our families, we can see the trajectory of how many of, of, of various income situations, right? So like in a black family, you can have somebody who is upper middle class and you can have someone who is, who is underemployed and considered the working poor in the same family. Right. Um, and, and too often as has been the case in our families, everybody's had to help everybody. And when we get a little bit of money, like my grandma just told me the other, just told me last night, my cousin who is, who is old enough, who is literally probably the same older. She's older than my mother and my mother died when she was 60. So she's older than my mom. My cousin bought a new house and she get, hits my grandma up and she says, cousin Helen, I bought a new house. I need a stove. I need a washing dryer. I need a washing machine, a dishwasher, all of these appliances. I need a refrigerator. Tell Candace that, um, I need them. And so my grandma, my grandma's like, okay. But then my grandmother tells me, even though she does not lay an expectation on me to help make purchases, I, she didn't tell me for my health. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think that part of the guilt and the shame that Black women feel often is because we are expected to help everyone at the expense of ourselves. So yeah, the coat may be ugly to you and not one that that can get zipped up, but the story and narrative that we've all been told is you didn't need that coat anyway. You could have gave the money away and and helped other people. You could have used any of those coats in the closet. And the truth is, is like, I could have. I wanted that coat. And it's okay that I want a coat because there are other ways in my life that I lean into generosity. There are other places in my life where I help to offer people hope that their current circumstances are not, are not the only way and the way that it'll be forever. And we have to keep telling ourselves that because we can get into the rat race of then we don't deserve anything because it's always going to be somebody that doesn't have. It's always going to be someone who's in need. And we can help. We can do what we need to do to alleviate those situations. And at the same time, we can require a certain level of, of care and grace to ourselves that says, hey, like, in the midst of all the love I do, like, I'm going to look out for me, too. I think that... I think there's a balance, you know, mm-hmm. of, of it. It's The hard part is finding it. Yeah, it is. Finding I'm going to say one thing, too. I think it's also, we think, we, we also don't put any accountability on the people that have so fucking much yes. that could afford to share it. Like, we put it on ourselves. Like, oh, we, we could have done this thing. We're not billionaires. Like, right. You're doing great. You can you're you're sustaining yourself, yeah. but 
it, it creates this, um, and the same, what do they say? I guess about, I keep going back to this um, theme of global warming, but they, they say, oh, we have to recycle. I have to cut back on my um, gas use and I have to get an electric car, but also those five fucking corporations mm-hmm. that are releasing mm-hmm. the most pollution into the, yeah. the fucking world should actually be the ones doing it. But it becomes Absolutely. this like, we think we have to do everything when there's, there's, we should be demanding generosity from like people that really yeah. have a lot of. Well, speaking of people that have a lot, yeah. for our hot shit, a lot. Succession. I don't know if oh. people are watching Succession. Are you ne- watching Succession? I have never oh. watched Succession, and everybody talks about it. I think that's it. something you should do. Okay, I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it. I I literally started watching Succession at the top of the year. I'm already caught up. I'm already listening to podcasts and interviews of these actors, and doing research, and fully geeking out. And I want all the Around the Way Curls listeners to watch Succession. It's a lot of white richness. I got to watch this. And you you have to prepare yourself. But the acting is superb. The underlying humanity in these characters of just wanting to be seen, loved, respected in the and they go about it in the worst ways, <laughs> the worst ways possible. But there is a human quality to to everyone, mm-hmm. and it's actually also very funny. Um, you you can watch it, and it's it's just it's riveting, riveting. But I I I thank Shanti for telling me to watch this, and Macaulay Culkin's brother is in it, who is really? brilliant. He's brilliant. He's sick, but he is a brilliant actor. I'm like, wow, where did you come from, dude? Um, but you know, it is absolutely excellent. Shanti, did you did you have anything to add to the succession? Hot shit. No, it's good. It's good. It's about really rich people, but the wealth kind of just acts like the prop in the thing. Like it's, a it's, prop. it's all it's all about them. It, their, it's their 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 drama. Yeah. How they yeah, and the wealth is just kind of like in the other. background is this extreme luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's amazing. It's it's a masterpiece. And the music bops. Do you like the music, yeah, Antoinette? The music is oh, very good. It's amazing. Um next up is Ozark came back on. I have not watched it because I can't remember anything about Ozark, but I'm rewatching the second season of Ozark, or I just finished the second season again, and I'll go into the third, and I'm remembering it. Ozark is also really excellent. If you like thriller, dark mm-hmm. kind of thriller, suspense, it's not thriller in the action pack, bang, right, bang, right, right. shoot them up. It's all very mental, cerebral, um, but family, they end up somehow... Uh, washing money for the cartel in the Ozarks. Okay. And it's all about how they basically keep themselves alive and also keep themselves out of jail and how they deal with each other. Um, and I, I love watching, I, I don't know why, but I love watching people undercut each other and outsmart each other. It's very Games of Thrones-ish mm-hmm. in that way of like these master manipulators. Um, I just find it to be... Uh, really entertaining. And then last for me for hot shit is obviously 
um, Jasmine's uh, uh, Jasmine's yes. Hotels Motels Hotels. Deluxe album <laughs> Holiday Inn is dropping February 11th. So super excited for that. And yeah, that's that's all the hot shit for me. And also, I don't know. I feel like I might have mentioned this, but there's a singer by the name of Mars. And she's really Mm -hmm. fire. Mm -hmm. She's super fire. Folks really need to look into her. And then there's also a young singer. Samira Joy sings on Instagram. She is the 2000, excuse, 2000, 2019 Sarah Vaughn competition winner. She has the most immaculate. It's Sarah Vaughn reincarnated. The most immaculate voice. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows I love jazz. She'll just make you cry and she's a baby. Like, listen. Darling, I know I had the loneliest yesterday. Listen to her that little 14 year old body yeah. how old is she so i could li- i could listen to her all day what's her name? <laughs> just like uh samira joy samira uh, she's samira joy sings on Instagram. Um, but I've been following her for a while because I used to work at an arts institution dedicated to jazz. And when she won, I just remember being like, wow, this little girl. And she was coming up in the ranks. But she's doing she's doing her thing. Her name S-A-M-A-R-A Joy. She's only 22 years old. Uh, she looks like she's, she's 14. She looks like yeah, a baby. She looks like wow. a baby baby. Oh, and she does have, she has a CD. Wow. CD and vinyl. So I'm about to buy this child's vinyl. That's what I'm saying. I'm about Um, to buy it too. But she's, she's a brilliant, a brilliant soul. So yeah. But go ahead, Shanti, you take, you take pop culture. For pop culture, um, we would be remiss not to mention the death of Regina King's son, Ian Alexander Jr. Mm. And I wanted to read, I I don't have words for offering condolences because it's just, I just can't even begin Mm -hmm. to imagine Mm -hmm. um, losing your your only child Mm -hmm. um, after 26 years of of raising him and having him in your life. But um, I want to read this Excerpt from the son of Baldwin. I don't know if, oh, shucks, that's not it. Um, from Instagram. I don't know if you guys follow him, but he's he's an incredible writer, incredible thinker. Um, mm-hmm. I do. And he just had the most beautiful words to offer to Ian and Regina. So he says, Your dear brother Ian, your absence is deeply felt. We were more for your being here and less for you transitioning to the next thing. Forgive our shock. We never anticipate our siblings becoming our ancestors. Mm. Not this quickly. Not when their youth is still eternal. Not when their smiles are still bright. Not Not when we can still hear their laughter. Not when their kindness was an anointing. We feel so many things, Ian. 
but chief among them is sorrow. And we, those of us still on this plane, filled with people who make us feel unwelcome simply because we exist, we hope that the ancestors have opened their arms to you. We hope they are singing songs. We hope they are dancing. We hope they have pulled out the shimmering robes that will cover you and warm you and mark your place as righteous among them. May they create the grandest feast in your honor. My goodness, my. Ian, may you be loved twice the size of the multiverse. Hache. So I just want to offer that for Regina and the spirit of um, Ian Alexander Jr. Yeah. I I can't even imagine Um, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this next topic because I hate giving this person any kind of uh, energy Mm -hmm. but I just want folks to understand how dangerous this Kevin Samuels character is Um, none about this negro what has he done (laughs) I know you don't (laughs) I, I have only I, the only reason why I know about him is because when I was on with Bridget and Kelly, I think this time Bridget and Kelly, Bridget Kelly and Mandy show. Um, last year they were bringing up some topics that he was. He's just abhorrent, but mm-hmm. he was mentioned, and so I had to look him up. And so now he's gone viral again, and he is telling women that if they do not want sex to be on the table, to not go on dates after 5 p.m. And I think that it's easy to brush it off and say, I don't know nothing about this man. But the scariest part is that there are a lot of people that follow him. There are yeah. a lot of men that follow him, really f- subscribe to him. Yeah. They they follow him in ways where they consider him a mentor, they uh, call in and ask him for advice. He's a really big figure in the yeah. community, and it's terrifying. And he gives a lot of um, unsound and unsettling advice to both men and women. And all I have to say on this is that, I, one, I, I just, I worry. I, I, I can't imagine who... <laughs> How he, I would just love to ask him how he values women. Like, what what purpose do you think that we're here for? Like, I, I I can't understand why everything is rooted in us being a vessel for your penis and your pleasure. But also, mm-hmm. this is this is rape culture. This is yeah. unacceptable, <laughs> and yeah. I need men and women to understand that. Just because the streetlights are on does not mean you owe anyone your body. Just because someone takes you out on a date, even buys mm-hmm. you something, offers you a ride, does does anything, that kind mm-hmm. of exchange mm-hmm. is unacceptable. And mm-hmm. we normalize it and we think it's funny when it's in songs. We 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 do these things. It's like, if you give me a bag, ah, got it. But... Yeah. This is not okay. And mm-hmm. and the idea, and I said this today on the other podcast, the idea also of giving something up in st- when it comes to sex instead of having an experience and coming mm-hmm. together is, mm-hmm. you already know we're, we're not rooted in the right thing here. If you feel like a woman's got to give it up and you got to get it, that mm-hmm. is not what sex is. 
I don't think that's what it should be. And I think this man is really sick and I'm truly sick and tired of him. And I wouldn't care as much if there weren't so many people, especially men. And it's saddened me because in doing the research this morning for the other podcast, they were sticking up for him. Women, men, so many people. There's so many videos online of, of, of men mm-hmm. saying, no, this is unacceptable as well. But so many saying, well, he's got, he's right. I mean, he, he, I yeah. get it. And it's like, wow, we're really s- stepping out. I'm a single woman. Am I really stepping out and dating someone who believes this? Yeah. Or thinks it's okay to say? Yeah. I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I don't know where he came from. Um, I I <laughs> want but I want him to go back to that particular pit Please. of hell. Um one because he is fundamentally dangerous. Um a lot of people don't when we talk about the level of vitriol that black women experience on social media um, in any kind of digital space, when we talk about um, when we honor our agency and our freedom to make choices about ourselves and our life, um, he often is a mastermind um, behind many of the men who are our antagonizers. Mm. Um, and mm. And what grieves me often is, so I I pay him no attention after he made an ugly video about, I didn't know him before he made this video about a friend of mine and basically um, talked about her weight and suggested that because she is fat that she, you know, would never be in a relationship, never have a man. Now, mind you, she deserves to be in one. Right. Now, mind you, she watched the video right beside her dude and they laughed. Um, But I remember like when she left, she talked about it and watching it like, who is this guy and who has given him, you know, this kind of access? But but what grieves me the most are the women who call in and ask them what's ask him what's wrong with them. Um, and they, why they, they can't so much validation from him, from him. And I like, I will never forget watching a sister call in beautiful sister, but she has, she, and she is a mother of two and him telling her that she's used goods and because she come mm-hmm. in with two kids and that she needs, though she's beautiful. And he says, she's beautiful. You need to tamper your expectations because you got two kids and you already been run through. And this woman like said literally it to her face, Shanti. was like, okay, like, yeah, he said, like, he, like, the way we talking, that's how this is how he talking. And she's like, so what kind of guys do you think, I, men, do you think I should be considering dating? And I'm watching this, like, why is the internalizing world it completely? Mm-hmm. Would you listen to anything that this is he man in a relationship? Is he married? He's divorced. I think he's twice divorced, divorced twice. Div- and I think there's also a daughter in there that he does not see or take care of. Oh, man, um, oh. he's an absent father. Um, it's a lot with him. Um, and well, I don't know. This is what happens when people get YouTube. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a gamer's chair. They don't know how to act. <laughs> 
<laughs> and a fucking mic. No, it's That's it. it. Shanti, I'm so I'm happy that you don't know who he is because it's really. I mean, I've seen clips, but I don't pay no mind. It's deeply to him. disturbing. He's giving me it's, glimpses. It's terrifying, yeah. and it's like it's cultish at this point. It's giving me yeah. cult. Like if any, I'm yeah, gonna go back to explained. Is. If anybody's watched the explained cult episode, it's this is what it's giving. He just has these followers that just they follow him and they listen and they're like, his word is the word. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. But I don't know what happened to him in his life, but I hope that he's okay. And and honestly, sometimes I just think to myself, you one of these people that like you're not gonna make it. Some people had to get shot. We can't all go. We can't all get free. I'm dead ass. Like some people got to get shot. You and I'm not saying to inflict mm-hmm. violence on this mm-hmm. man. I'm just saying not everybody's going to make it to the other side. Right. And sadly, right. you might have to get left behind, sir. Yeah. But ugh, yuck. Anyway, Shanti, you got yeah. one on here. Have y'all seen Megan? Have you seen her new Megan The Stallion uh, video with that is Shancia? Shancia. I don't know. I, I, I saw little clickbaits and, again, different internet folks saying that she's taking it too far. It's too nasty. It's, it's just, why, do you, why does she keep doing the same trope of, like, you know, shaking her ass? I watched the video, and I, it wasn't that bad. There was just, like, scenes of them with their legs spread open, and instead of the actual vagina, it was just a mouth talking. So it was or like a, a vagina talking. Yeah. And the whole mm-hmm. theme of it was around... Uh, oral sex. Congolese. Oral sex. And it was a... First of all, it was just a whack song. It was a whack song. And I, I wonder if we are getting tired of, especially... Yeah, we're just getting tired of sex being the thing that pushes and creates shock value in conversation or sexy videos right. for these mediocre ass songs. Like where's the yeah. actual fucking bars at? Like this, it's just not, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. It wasn't, it, it just, it wasn't a good video. It wasn't necessarily that specific imagery that I was like, Oh my, clutching my pearls. I was just like, Bored, and I think a lot of people are just like at this it. point. It's just like, all right, girl, Megan. Now you can fucking rap. Now let's do something d- interesting. And Shansia, do something interesting. can rap. I don't know if you know who Shansia is, but Shansia can really rap and she can really sing as well. Like she, she can sing. It's. It, I didn't get any of that from that. No, that, you that's wouldn't. The problem. You I didn't would have no idea. Um, no I think idea. it dumbs down both their talents, but I, uh, just the song. I think. It's so tricky because I believe that women should be able to mm-hmm. do whatever the fuck it is they want when it comes. Mm-hmm. And But that doesn't mean that you don't. There's not consequences to that, right? It just means you are allowed to be who you are and do what you want. I think from, from Megan specifically, I'm just so ready to see her grow and to see her explore a different avenue a different something where it's like you know we had i said this today like we had kim right kim kim is like kim gave that to us but she also gave us like the bar she also gave us like her shit with mary she gave us there there was a Mm -hmm. lot of different kinds of kim and and Mm -hmm. different ways that she explored her sexuality and, and things like that and i also just think 
we're getting older where it's like, okay, we is saw that. that. And, well, we saw it and got it. Like Kim didn't yeah. get old to us, but I'm sure our parents were like, that's terrible. But back in the day, I know my mom was fucking with Madonna and Cher and was like, wow. You know, like, I think that we're just getting older. We're like, we got it. Like, we know. But, you know, these are 20-something-year-old right. women. That's a very yeah. good point. That are, that are, it's their time. And they didn't grow up in the little Kim and the Madonna and the this and the Janet. Like, I never get sick of seeing Janet strap somebody down and mm-hmm. ride them, ever. And I probably never will. Because it just, mm-hmm. it has a different meaning to me. It, it. I associate that with a different point in my life where I may have needed to see that, like, wow, she's powerful. Wow, mm-hmm. she's not, this isn't, she's not ashamed of this energy that she has. The one thing I will say is that the video feels, it does, it's not pornish, right? It's not giving me porn, but it's, I, I see that it's for the guy, it's for the male gaze, the video, mm. like, a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing still feels like this doesn't feel like it's really for you. It still mm. feels well, like it's for them. Coming from their own sense of curiosity and expression. Yeah, maybe. it like, still feels like yeah, it just, this is to sell feel. a certain thing. We're like, I don't know why, but like Rihanna, Kim, um, Janet, like oftentimes it felt it feels like, no, this shit is coming from your actual vagina. Like I yeah, feel the no, energy. Janet, I'm like, I believe right. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe yeah. you because that's what it, it didn't feel authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it definitely felt like you doing a same. Performative. Exactly. It felt like porn. Like I, it don't, I don't feel like the women are enjoying porn. Like no, it don't feel like it you're really, feel like you're, they were you're enjoying spirit or you're not embodying this expression. You're just like, mm-hmm. you know, pretending that you go and kiss a girl on top of a girl and grinding on a girl and busting your legs open. Like, I'm wearing a, I feel a sense of, I feel something from Megan these days. I don't know what it is. And I hope she's okay. Mm, hope Megan's yeah. all right. But. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't seen the video. I saw a clip of it and I said, oh, it's WAP too. Like I, I didn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't something that I felt like I needed to rush out to see. Um, I deeply, like I'm always rooting for Megan. Um, I think. Um, I wonder if she has really had time, the time away that she needs mm-hmm. to have processed all that has happened to her, truly grieve it all and rest and, and regroup. I wonder if she's really genuinely had that time, yeah. um, yeah. been afforded that kind of time. Um, and I do, I think, you know, I wonder, I wonder what, um, you know, if 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 it is that we have become the, I was gonna say older, but the truth is, is like Pusha T been rapping about crack and cocaine for ever, and men get to rap about the like they have an exact formula to their albums and to what they rap about, and I I don't feel like that same space is often afforded to female MCs. Um, And what does it look like now to have a generation of women who are taking it, who are saying like, no, like I'm going to rap about sex consistently. I'm going to rap about my stuff. I'm going to rap about how good it is and dare you to say something about it. Um, I, I, 
I wonder what it's going to be like when they get older. Um, maybe this is a new moment that we're in. But I also, I also realized that, yeah, like Kim, like you said, Kim never got old to me. Um, she can fucking she can, she can get up there and, and say, I used to be scared of, and I'm going to go in on it. And then she can come up and she can do, um, want to rumble with the, and I'm going to go crazy. Right. Because that, her verse is iconic. And it's nostalgic um, for us as well. Yeah. And I think don't they're giving wrong. that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I don't want her. I can't stand. I, well, for the most part, I don't like conscious rap that much. Me it doesn't slap. I don't want to hear Megan rap around like, like politics and shit. Like, that's not what I'm asking. I just want to see her explore the sexuality thing and the expression in a way that doesn't I- feel flat it's like okay girl now what else like what else you got what other video style like i would love to hear her talk about relationships i would Um, like that too like yeah 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 yeah. i i honestly i i thought that shit was interesting um Mm -hmm. with that video i was i was actually impressed with the Mm -hmm. video i was like she she has a message here she she thought about this This one, she's a feature on it. So it's not, I don't really know how much input she had and oh, things okay. like that. You know, like it's not her song. It's, it's I see. you know, it's a joint, it's yeah. a collabo. But um, I don't know. I'm not going to beat these women down for, for doing what the fuck they want to do. Do you think? I never would have watched a video if I wouldn't have seen this on the timeline. Because I think I'm just, Same. I just aged out of it. I'm just old. Same. I just want to listen to Samara Joy. I ain't really watching Sing videos, period. Her Ella Fitzgerald cover, <laughs> Cry in the Tub. That's all I Like, that's do. probably what I'm going to do when I get off of here. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> and look at embracing black culture and black people with pets. That is another hot shit thing. Oh, my God. New, that is the cutest. I have a new IG thing for folks. I have really not been on social media, but I've been treating myself with going to embracing black culture and black people with pets. Mm-hmm. Right before I do my Spanish lessons on Duolingo, I am like, wow, I love black people with pets. When I see these black people talking to their pets and loving them up, and then I look at my blue, and I don't know where her badass is, but I'm just like, I'm not crazy. Nope. And it makes it's it's so sweet and endearing mm-hmm. and wholesome. And and I'm just like, I'm here for this. So y'all should check yeah. that out. I, I love black people have pets. I love embracing black culture. I have a beagle, Charlie, who was born in oh. August. And he is um he was actually born on my mother's birthday. Oh. And I told I told everybody, I was like, is my mama trolling me? Because he oh. is the most opinionated thing in the house. Um but I love, love, love seeing black people um uh, with their pets. Um I love the ways I'm gonna tell you what what I've found too over the last week and I one I've been watch, watching her reels because I love her but lavishly Jackie um Jackie Ina who um is oh uh, yes yeah she has um what's that uh lavishly Jackie this like um it's her Instagram handle for like all things luxury for like mm. black women. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have been like, I have been following it one. Cause I'm trying to like get some up my game on some of the things that I want. Um, but two, I just like, like 
watching black people be unapologetically extra. So like she steams her sheets every day. And like oh, I like God. Jackie. I like that level of like extra. Um because I just think, you know, and I I just love it. And so that but that's been um my favorite like lately my favorite IG follow. Yeah, just watching mm-hmm. them live and be. Yeah. It's it's lovely. And, and you and know she, the, go ahead. And she has no problem blocking you when you get on there and tell her <laughs> that that's too much. She'd be like, all right, so I blocked 1,200 people today. I love it. Welcome. Like, we, we're, we're, we're having a great day today. Like Friends only. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The last thing I'm going to say for pop culture, this isn't on the outline, but I found this out today. <sighs> Kung Fu Kenny, our man, apparently has joined forces with South Park creators <laughs> to um, spearhead a show And the premise is that this television show, there is a black man who is an actor at a history museum and he acts as a slave. And he is in a relationship with a white woman only to find out that the white woman's family owned his family growing up. And I'm going to give it a chance, baby. I was defending Kung Fu Kenny. I was. I said, wait a minute. If I trust anybody... You know, I'm like, all right, that premise sounds interesting, but if I would have heard the premise of Lovecraft in uh, two sentences, I would have been like, what the hell is that? So we're going to see what happens there. And yeah, uh, but moving on, we got to get to our break because I really want to get into the book. Uh, we want to thank everybody for, we do have voicemails, but we're going to listen to them next week. Thank you to the new patrons, Simone S and Mackenzie D. And then please continue to rate, subscribe and share the podcast. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail, do all the things. And yeah, when we get back, we will be talking red lip theology. The author, Miss Candace Marie Benbow. And Shanti, take us out. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So, everyone, as promised, we are going to get into this book. So we are joined by Candace Marie Benbow again. She is a theologian. Wait, how do you say that? Theologian. Theologian. I thought I said that wrong. Mm -hmm. Theologian and essayist um, whose work lies at the intersections of beauty and faith and feminism and culture. Candace has a new book titled Red Lip Theology for Church Girls Who Have Considered Tithing to the Beauty Supply Store When Sunday Morning Isn't Enough. And I just want to read this in the sleeve because this is what got me going. Blurring the boundary between righteousness and irreverent, Red Lip Theology invites us to discover freedom in a progressive 
Christian, in, in a progressive Christian faith that incorporates activism, feminism, and radical authenticity. Theologian Candace Marie Benbow's essays explore universal themes like heartache, loss, forgiveness, and sexuality, and she unflinchingly empowers women who struggle to feel loved and nurtured by the church culture. So that got me going because <laughs> I have to mm-hmm. say that um, my my background with the church, I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> full of Catholic guilt. And very early on, I was like, this is not for me. I'm, I was the kid asking the hard questions. Mm-hmm. I was the kid that was had a white and black dad, or excuse me, a white mom and a black father at an all-Catholic white church where they, peace be with you, and they wouldn't even shake his hand. I noticed those mm-hmm. things. I was the kid that had um, an aunt that was definitely uh, queer and I was like, well, she loves God. This doesn't, mm-hmm. she's not a bad person. I had a best friend at the time who was an Indian girl. She was Hindu. And I was like, she's not going to hell. She's amazing. And I just questioned a lot of things like, why can't Mary, Mary was married. Why couldn't she have sex with her husband and have Jesus? What's the mm-hmm. problem? And they were like, go in the corner. So... <laughs> And then I was really confused because I'll never forget being in um, being in my confession. I was able to get confession, do confession or whatever. And I'm telling the priest all of my horrible sins of like, I think I took a dollar from my mom's wallet, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he's listening and he's kind of looking at me. I'm like, why won't he fucking look at me? Like, this is dumb. And I remember being little and thinking like, this is weird. And... He just told me how many Hail Marys and our fathers to say and sent me on out. And then I remember riding home and my mom being like, can you believe that? Look at his Benz. Look at his this. Whatever he was driving, he's a wealthy guy. And he was apparently having an affair with someone in the church. And everybody knew it, but they just acted like he wasn't. And I was like, okay, this place feels weird to me. I don't feel good here. Right. I don't feel seen here and I feel judged here. So I say all that to say that my faith in God is strong. It could definitely be stronger because I never Mm -hmm. I've never felt rooted into something, Mm -hmm. into like a reading, into a passage, into something that I'm like, I just know I believe in God. I believe in goodness. Mm -hmm. I believe in ancestors. You know, Mm -hmm. like there are things that I can pull from different stories that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I I get the message here. Right. Right. And I've always felt really judged by my friends who are very rooted in Christianity um, and, in, and in Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. Um, and I, I'm not against that. I just would say, like, it's the religion aspect. It's the church aspect, the cult aspect mm-hmm. that doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I opened this and started reading it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. I am too. I'm really excited. But Thank I wanted to guys. give you that background because I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, I feels like something that I've really been waiting for. But I want to first start with how did you start writing? Ooh. Um, so this book took many, many iterations. Um, 
what I knew was that I wanted to write something that was deeply theological, that took the concepts that I had been discussing and learning and that I had learned in, in seminary um, and really take them and flesh them out to have conversations about faith and theology that Black women could identify in ways that Black women could identify with. So um, it took a lot of different iterations to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I I played with um, the Nicene Creed um, that most people, that is said in most... Um, in most uh, Christian spaces, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, blah, 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 descended out of that. And I was going to take each section and um, blow it out theologically. And I was just like, okay, most black, most sisters ain't don't know the Nicene Creed. I have remembered it in school. Um, but we know makeup. And when I had a conversation with my editor, she was like, what saved you? Like, like, let's talk about how you got to real theology. And, you know, I shared with her my best friend coming and telling me, you don't look good. You don't look like yourself. Like, put, like, try, put yourself back together. And she was like, let's write from there. Um, I, I told her, I was like, you know, I have a a um my skincare and my makeup routine are rituals for me and she was like all right write it out write out what they mean and then that's really how we started writing that's really how it's it started writing I started writing um my my birthday was December the is December the 11th so I met with my um my proposal went on the market November of 2019. I met with uh, publishers in December. I met with the publisher that I really, really wanted the day after my birthday. And then a week later, um, they offered me the deal. So um, I really started writing throughout the pandemic. I wrote, Mm. um, I started unofficially writing January of 2020. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and then I this turned, was a fast turnaround then. Very yeah, um, and it took me. Yeah, I turned in. I turned in my draft January of twenty twenty one, and then for about four or five months, we went back and we did edits, um, and it was officially done like summer. Yes, because each each. Um essay chapter is married to one of your, I, I love that, one of your skin mm-hmm. skincare steps. It's like primer. Then you have the foundation and then you have the brows and the eyeshadow. And mm-hmm. you talked about, and you make it make sense where you're like, the, you know, God made me black. That's the brows, eyeshadow, liner, and lashes. And you say, if eyes were the windows of our souls, then our eye makeup is some of the really dope blinds and curtains. Like you tie it in in a way where like, I, it's just so beautifully woven together and I'm a makeup freak. So mm-hmm. I just loved reading it in that way too. It just felt, yeah. um, more accessible for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
when we get to so knowing so knowing you, you grew up in North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. In, yes, I North Carolina. Yes, and a good church girl, right? So, mm-hmm. can you explain to me what that what that means? What does it mean that when you say you grew up a good church girl? What does that look like? So I was in church three days a week. Um, went to Sundays. Went to Sunday school. Went to Saturday service. Um, did a Bible study on Wednesday, um, had, and was there on Saturday for whatever rehearsal my mama or I had, um, or whatever meeting her or my grandmother had. Um, I was in every (laughs) youth organization that you could think of. Um, I was somebody who I did not have sex um, until I got to college. Um, one, because my mama told me that kissing led to babies, and um, <laughs> I did not want a baby. <laughs> um, but we were taught that, like, you are special um, and set apart if you were going to church. You were doing mm-hmm. the right things, right? That, like, all everybody else was running the streets. I mean, now mind you, we're kids, right? Um, But we were, the fact that we were in church all the time, we could recite scriptures and had Easter speeches and all of these things. The fact that that we were doing these good things made us somehow good and better than everyone else, all of our classmates and contemporaries. And I lived into that um, because... I believed it. Um, What is true is that I started to see kinks in the armor and cracks in the armor when I got to college. Um, College? Yeah, I think. What denomination? Missionary Baptist. So, and you know, Baptists do whatever they want to do. So, um, (laughs) that that was, 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 and remains um, the. One of the one of the bigger sticking points for me was to reckon with the hypocrisy of the church. Um, but when I got to college, I began to ask a lot of different questions. Um, I began to, well, not ask different questions because I was asking them as a kid. Um, but I began to have the freedom to explore the answers. Um, in a way that really made me be like, I'm not as vested in this whole idea of this like good girl image. So <laughs> I don't think I wrote it in the book, but I might have. But there was this one guy in college. I'll never forget. I'm I'm just timid. We're in his room. Um, I knew what I wanted, but I also was just like, oh my God, is he going to tell like, you know, everybody when we leave. And I will and I I will remember for the rest of my life what he said. He was like, It's just you and me in here to the rest of the world, you still a good girl. And I remember I was like, All right, let's go. <laughs> and and then when I thought more about it, I was like, Why am I so vested in this idea that I have to be good? Like, what the hell is that, you know? Um, So that really became a space where I got to ask and explore questions. And I really was just, I wanted to do away with 
this notion somehow that my faith and my righteousness were tied to all the things I didn't do. Mm. Um, and I really mm. got there. I really got there and I really started to get there in college. So can before we go on to your the shift in college, can you talk about your mom, your mom's influence on yeah. you in the church, but also your mother being pregnant with you? Yeah. And so, that story around her. Yeah. I, I was blown away when. Yeah. When I so, so it. I grew up in a context where if you were um, in our churches, if you were pregnant and I married, the custom was that the mother stood before the congregation mm. to publicly apologize and repent for being pregnant. Mm. Um, the man was never. And, and then you were set down. So if you were active and if you were active on the choir, you couldn't be on the choir for six, for the for the duration of your pregnancy. Um, you may or may not be able to get back on there, depending on how much time elapses from the time you want to sing to the time you had the baby. Um, and so, and you know, the man, the father, could be in the congregation. He's never going to be asked to stand up. Um, and, and apologize because he is not a daily reminder of that quote unquote sin. Um, and there was an expectation that my mom, um, would, would publicly repent and apologize. And it just was not something that she wanted to do, um, because she said that she could not, she could not say that I was a mistake and mm. that if she ra- if she said it, then she was raising me to believe that I was. Mm. And um, so my mom, you know, went through this period of feeling really isolated, one from the church and then two from her family, because there's also this expectation. She was the first one to graduate college She was in church. So there's also this great white hope, you know, um, narrative that gets attached to her. And she had others, uh, her other two daughters, I mean, two sisters had children and they weren't married. And there was kind of like expectation that she would not do the same. And, um, and she did. And it was, she, she talked to me about how rocky that felt. She talked to me about how isolating it was. Um, I've gotten some letters that she wrote my uncle while she was pregnant with me and he was away in the service that detail how, how sad and alone, you know, she felt. But she made the decision that she wasn't going to And your dad was, gonna as, stand was up a and member she wasn't of the church. Do that. A member of the church. Mm-hmm. He was a member of the church. They sang on the same choir. Um, that's how they met. And um, and she went to a service. I'm not sure how many days or whatever after she decided that she would not um, do what was expected of her. But she went to this church called Mercy Seat. And she was crying. And she just asked God to give her something that would that would give her hope to hold on 
And that was, she said that was the first time she ever felt me kick inside of her. And she took that as, yeah, like as long as, as I stay with God and I teach you to stay with God, we'll be okay. Um, and so my mom raised me, she raised me in church. I tell people she raised me at this vortex of faith and feminism. One, because she was a single mom. So she and a single black woman, um, it won and mattered for her to have the agency she did around her body and around protecting her child. Um, and, and she taught me, you know, that I deserve that same dignity and respect as a girl and as a young woman and now as an adult woman. So she raised me with that. But she also raised me in church. And, like, there were certain things and certain behaviors that she did not want me to engage in. Um, there were certain things that she so did, she, you know, did not believe that a modest or yeah. chaste girl. Absolutely. Um, and as I got older, you know, our I remember I told my mom I had sex and I was in college. And she said, well, I thought you were going to wait until you got married. I said, we never had no conversation about me waiting. So like, I'm like, you know, like it was that kind of like, how could you, how dare you? Like my mom, um, but, and I talk about this in the book, my mom also found ways to give me room to be myself um, and to come into my own. And I think it was because she was, because she could trust that she had not, I wasn't completely abandoning faith. You know, I had questions. I and and she had to trust that she had done the work that would lead me um, to stand on my own two feet. Um, and so, and I'll say this at end. I did not set out to. I didn't set out to write about my mom. But what was so interesting was that I couldn't not write about her. And I remember going back to my editor and my agent nervous because I was like, I'm writing this, but I'm also writing about my mom. And then I had, and then it was my, my um, editor who told me, she said, it makes sense because mm-hmm. your mom is the one who brought you to faith. And I was like, yeah, like, so, so I had to lean into um, that relic theology just wasn't my story. But it was a story that I share with her, and she's so integral to it. And yeah, I'm just really proud of. Like I, I, I read it back and was listening to it the other day, and I was like, I really hope that people take away from it how much we both loved each other, um, and how and how much um, that relationship can be a difficult one to navigate. You know, black uh, mothers and daughters. <laughs> um, Shanti, I'm gonna let you jump in in a sec. I just have one more, a uh, couple more. Um, no, go ahead. In your book, you write that there were events that would forever revolutionize how you understood religion's role in the oppression of black women and religious institutions' complicity in it. Mm-hmm. That, those two for me were the death of Whitney Houston uh-huh. and. Um, and the death of uh, Rakia Boyd. 
Um, one, Whitney Houston was the ultimate church girl to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, born and raised in the church, she mm-hmm. publicly presented um, everything that we are taught to be until she didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and so much of her struggles, I genuinely, genuinely believe, are a result of trying so hard to live up to the, um, so hard to live up to the weight of um, the expectations that the church and other religious identified people put up, put on us. Um, and additionally, there is the a larger reality that I felt like I felt hopeless when she died. I felt mm-hmm. like, who are we ever going to escape this? You know, like if if you escape have spent, this being, what did you mean? If you if you have grown up in the church and spent years in the church, are you ever going to escape its hold on you? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I remember questioning that and feeling like that, and then I. Um, so the day after her funeral was when I wrote my letter to, um, I started drafting my, um, application, uh, essay for, for my MDiv. Um, and then Rakia Boyd, when Rakia Boyd died, it was right around the time that black, black pastors had done this hoodie Hoodie Sunday Sunday moment for, um, in, in, in honor of Trayvon Martin and to bring awareness to, the fact that he had been murdered and Sanford police were not at all invested in bringing his killer to justice. Um, but they did not mention at all Rakia's name in that moment. Um, and many of them, when we, when we pressed them on social media, they were like, oh, we're leaving a bet to our women's ministries. And it led this, this it, 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 it created the conclusion that the plight of black boys and men is a national, it requires national attention. And whatever happens to black girls and women is just a personal problem with, that black women need to address. Mm. And I, I could not be the same after either, either one of those instances um, and had to really sit with, okay, what does it mean to hold the church accountable? What does it mean to fight to make faith more freeing for black girls and black women? And that really was the moment for me that I was like, all right, this is this really is the work that's been placed in my hand. So this is when you realize, okay, all of these, the questions that I felt bubbling in mm-hmm. me, this is when you're like, I'm going to honor them. And I'm going to ask them because now I see that there are flaws here. While mm-hmm. I still love the church, I'm still yeah. deeply rooted in my faith. I see that there's room for growth. So I'm going to ask these uncomfortable questions. Can you tell us yeah. what some of those questions, what was coming up for you that you were suppressing? Like all of um, those years. I, I, I really wrestle with this idea that we are wretched and sinful creatures 
that are only redeemed once we come to Christ. Mm. Um, that just, when, when I look at the work of creation, Mm. um, that ain't what I get, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And so, and the, the truth of the matter is this idea or this ideology that we are not good until Christ makes us good really is at the root of so much shame. It's at the root of so much guilt. It's at the root of so much that we harbor that I felt like, I need to get that piece right first. And then if I can get that piece right, I can give myself a little bit more grace when I make some faulty decisions, when mm-hmm. I do some things that are contrary to who who I know myself to be. I don't have to I don't have to swim in shame the you know, oh my gosh, you know better. How could you have done that? That so many of us do. Um Questions around intimacy and holiness um, were were huge for me. Um, I really wrestled with this idea of heaven and hell. Um, mm-hmm. One because I knew too many people who who were fundamentally good people that either a were did not identify as Christian or b were not active church members thus were not visibly holy and good in the same way that people would suggest. And I, did, I didn't see how a loving God could condemn these people to hell, like to this like fire and brimstone, yeah. eternal like mm. damnation. Then I could not see that. And mm. so those were, those, those were chief among a lot of the questions that I had. And when I went to seminary, I learned, you know, I spent time learning about theology. I spent time sitting with various um, schools of thought and just really was like, all right, like these are not questions. Unfortunately, people believe this, but these are not questions that, or these are not concepts that are universal, that were always universally accepted. Like there were, there were, I mean, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, thought that he was going to be alive when Jesus came back. Like most of the early church literally thought Jesus was going to come back the next weekend. Like it was not the fact that like, you know, we are 2000 years um, <laughs> since he ascended. Like niggas was really thinking he was going to be back, you know, Start a business Monday. Like it was like that was like know, that's like, in early twenty twenty. Like this shit gonna right? be over in like two weeks. Like let us get this food. We gonna be good. Like literally, <laughs> they was like, oh, two weeks, it'll be fine. Like and now here we are, right? And so those kinds of conversations, um, the the back and forth, reading, you know, council dialogues from fourth, third and fourth century where they like arguing down and then saying like, oh, you're a heretic, stone him, you know, because they didn't win the argument. Um, it lets you know that like these were not concepts that everyone agreed upon. Mm. And that gave me even more permission to say like, I don't have to think like what I what I saw in church, especially when it's not authentic to me. Like, I had to learn how to trust the sound of my own familiar. 
I had to learn how to trust God talking to me mm-hmm. and me talking to God and what an authentic relationship between the two of us looked like. And without that, like I didn't know what else to like I, I couldn't do anything else. So so those questions were really what were what kind of what was driving a lot of the study and then moving me into a place of like personal theological development. Shanti, do you have anything or should I keep going? Yeah, that's beautiful. I often think um, I didn't grow up Christian at all. My dad actually was like practicing Eastern religions. So it was just so, I just didn't grow up with it at all. But my best Mm -hmm. friend was apostolic Christian. And I, I definitely watched her conflict and trying to figure out you know how to be a good church girl and follow having this close relationship with her grandmother and so much of their relationship and what was passed down to her from her grandmother was rooted around going to church so mm-hmm. I definitely remember watching her trying to be a good girl but also like 13 14 about to run these streets and hot in the pants and fucking the the boy the drummer boy and like right. all the drama yep. that <laughs> all the drama all that the came drama. with that Mm -hmm. Um, I guess something that I think confuses me or always confuse me is the black and white that so many Christians kind of live in. Like it's Mm -hmm. very polarized. It's like if you either doing this or you're doing that. And I was watching your interview with um, Kevin on stage Mm -hmm. and I could see his, him just not able to open up to these concepts, especially around queer folks, right? Mm -hmm. And like it came to me or in my mind, it's like these great lessons of humanity, these great spiritual ideas around surrender, around grace, around Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. are activated when you don't understand somebody else, right? When it's hard, when you're uncomfortable with seeing somebody else's way of existence. That's where the like the spiritual stuff becomes mm-hmm. really, really potent. And it always confuses me when people, niggas are like, no, he's going to hell. And it's like you, they completely cut off this opportunity to, to dive yeah. in. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about your, your opening up and kind of you becoming radicalized in so many ways and and how close spirituality is to political and radical liberation oh, right like spiritual liberation yeah. all of them are, are are connected like jesus was out here repping for the people the wretched mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know what i mean so if you could just talk yeah. about that a little bit with as focusing centering kind of like the queer community yeah. yeah so what's what's so dope about that conversation that i had with kev was that he was also he also grew up apostolic, right? And um and steeped in those kinds of um of traditions. He's much more left leaning in how he how he views um, you know, same gender love. He I mean and and not speaking for him, but um definitely would agree with what you're saying about humanity and care and was also like really shocked at the way that I was able to articulate it from like, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, 
I got to have scripture, right? Like, because again, when you grew up in a context that was like, where's that in scripture? Mm. Like to get to a point where you're like, "Mm, like God is still speaking and God speaks to me like Mm, that, or that I don't have to have a scripture that lets me know that I need to be a good human being. Right. Um, that a lot of people who want to move in that space, you know, like him and others who want to do that, don't necessarily know how to do that because, again, we've been rooted in this notion of of, of scripture. The truth is, I was grow- I grew up the same way, and I talk about it, particularly in the essay "Survived by a Special Friend," that is about um, my growth around um, same gender love and 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 queer identity, and just getting to a point through a relationship with a really good friend when he was like. You give all of these dudes that don't give you an ounce of respect <laughs> um, all of this space and room to grow and be better, and yet you can't give the same to me to mm-hmm. understand who I am and how I love. And I just, I wanted to be a better friend. Like, being a better friend made me a better Christian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, like, I wanted to be a better friend. And I think that when you when you look at who when you look at who Jesus who Jesus who Jesus was on earth um when you look at how he lived his life he really taught us how to live together and be in community like caring for each other and loving each other above all was more important than anything else and to be in a space where that's not what is happening because of of who someone chooses to love, to me, I think breaks God's heart, right? Like, you know, when you look at creation, when you look at when you look at that the entire arc of the biblical narrative is about, I believe, how much God loves us. Um, and what it means to foster a world of justice and equity and care, I don't think that you can really be fully committed to who God is and desiring to be that on earth and marginalizing and maligning people simply because of who they love, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, especially when you recognize the profound lack of love that is in this world. And like, we live in a world that is full of hate and somebody found somebody that they want to, or somebody's mm. <laughs> that they want to journey through this life with. And you going to tell me that I have to condemn them when they found love and hope. Like, like I have got, I honestly have gotten to the point that, I I am committed to believing that if I'm wrong about that, then when I get to glory, God will tell me I'm wrong, but I will still be counted right because at the end of the day, I did it because I wanted people to be free. And mm-hmm. I stood and I made that decision because I wanted people to know love and I believe that people should should be cared for intentionally. And you know, I am. I I hope that more people get there of 
those of us who who were born and raised in the church, I hope more of us get there because it really is it it really is unnecessary mm-hmm. the way that we have um decided <laughs> that this is a heel that we one need to die on um when two we don't we don't know much about human sexuality period like it's billions of species in the world and you're going to tell me that there's only that there's only one way to express sexuality everything else is everything else is a sin like tilapia didn't even exist in in Genesis, and yeah, niggas keep eating it. So, like, I mean, <laughs> tilapia. Just like, like the tilapia and the catfish, then yes, you know what I'm saying. So, so I really <laughs> hope that we move beyond it in ways that we need to. I um, I I I often feel like uh, that scripture is weaponized. Mm-hmm. I often mm-hmm. feel like um. There, there is definitely violence against LGBTQIA community and women in the yeah. church. And something that I actually posted was this: this like slap. This was a. This just was like, wow, you're saying the things with a vocabulary I wish I had. But you wrote, you wrote um, so much of Western Christianity is rooted in the subjugation of women. And I have the, and I have been reared in a faith tradition which largely existed to give black men the status and power white people refuse them in larger society. Mm. And baby, mm. when I, because I, <laughs> my mind was just like, thank you. And I, and I, and and honestly, Candace, it is not lost on me how brave you are mm-hmm. for writing this thank book. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because I can't imagine how ostracized. I can't mm. imagine what kind of phone calls, letters, online hate. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what kind of scriptures were weaponized and thrown your way. Oof. All in the name of God. Mm. Mm. And mm. and you, I'm sure your lived experience is an, another example of how you had the nerve the audacity to question anything as a woman and, and spoke up in the name of God in Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, we exist. Hey, there are people out here who are beyond godly, who don't subscribe to all of these rules, but guess what? The world is changing. The world is bigger. We have more vocabulary. We have lived experience. And here I am. And I want to welcome you into this world. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really, it's, uh, I said, I wrote, I, I tagged you in that and said, you're doing God's work. And I, I was not, I was not using, I wasn't just saying how, Ooh, God's work girl. No, I really mean that this is the actual work of God. There are Mm -hmm. so many women and, and, Women in my life, women in your life, Shanti, who we know, who mm-hmm. like, it's the hotels women. It's the mm-hmm. women that love and God. Men. To, and, and men. men. They and, need to be and unlocked. They, and them. And all of the mm-hmm. folks. It's all the people. I'm obviously yeah. speaking from my perspective. Apologies. I'm not trying to only center women. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the folks who feel like, do I, 
do I belong with God? Can I really mm-hmm. walk with God? Mm-hmm. And this book is just really powerful and it's really ignited something in me mm-hmm. where I'm like, wow, I said this year I need to get stronger. I need yeah. to get more deeply rooted in faith. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's an accident that you randomly DM me like, hey, can I send you a copy of my book? Mm -hmm. I'm just like, wow, I can't wait to sit with this. But I I want you, for all the listeners and folks, what is red lip theology? What is it? Oh, you had me answering questions like I'm sorry. (laughs) No, because I I appreciate, I appreciate this work. And I, I really appreciate, I, I, can only thank imagine you. on a macro thank level you. You, thank you thank you writing this and taking this stand and 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 it's it's just so brave thank you of course thank you um um who uh relative theology for me is the lens uh through which i see the world um, and see God and my place in it and God's place in it as a black millennial woman of faith. Um, I say I was reared, I was raised in church just as much as I was uh, raised in hip hop culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as a millennial, there were certain, you know, brash, unapologetic um, sass <laughs> that came along with with millennial um, identity that I did not feel like I had to abandon in my relationship with God, that um, I didn't have to choose between my ratchetness and my righteousness, but like, you know, God made me. Um, God knew what God was doing when God made me. Um, And God know there's some days where I can be on one. And I mean, literally the prayer when I wake up, it's like, okay, so God, I was on like 12 yesterday. Can you like help me stay at a five so that we can like, you know, and I know that there are times when I'm, when I go and I pray and God is like, here this girl go again with, with something. Um, but I also know that when I walked literally through the valley of the shadow of death, God held my hand. Mm-hmm. And um, when when faith for me had to become my own because my mama was gone, Mm. um, that God gave me room to come back to God and come back to myself. And so relative theology is that story. Um, It is what it means to ask and answer, to, to ask the questions and open and avail yourself to the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what it means to believe that there's better and that there's hope and that there is life after the darkness. Um, and I, I wanna, I wanted to share that because I know it to be true. Um, I had a, I had, my mama died November 14th, 2015. And in the span of three years after that, every evil that could have happened to me happened to me. 
And I was living my worst nightmare because my mother was dead and my, and it was an unexpected death. She died of an asthma attack and she was in a home alone. And I was, I was mad at God, <laughs> you know, um, I, and I, and I was disillusioned. Um, and then when all of these other things are a terrible breakup, sexual assault, dealing with racism in my doctoral program, a hospitalization, all of these things happened. I literally was left with one belief. And that was that like, I believed that God held my hand in the darkness and I had to rebuild a faith that was my own. Um, and so Red Lip Theology tells that story, but more than that, I hope that Red Lip, I hope that when sisters, when brothers, when anyone reads this, I hope that they give themselves the permission to explore faith for themselves Mm -hmm. and to make it their own, um, and to look at and to look at the totality of their life, the dumb decisions that they made, the great decisions that they made, and find ways to see God's hand in it all, and find ways to see their own triumph and resilience in it. Um, that's what relic theology for me is. It is the ability to 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 find God in you and find you and God and you and yourself and, and come alive. Um, despite what everyone else says, come alive on your terms, Mm. knowing that God meets you there and it's, and it's holy. Yeah. Candace. (laughs) Where, 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 how, how can people, where can people, Keep up with you, follow you, contact you, love up on you. Get this book, please. Yeah, please share. so so the book officially came out January eighteenth. It's wherever you get books. Oh, oh God, <laughs> y'all have made me cry. Y'all, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm gonna log off. I'm gonna cry some you more. You better get One, that bath, girl. Cry, girl. Listen to Samira cry. I'm, I'm actually going to tell you, you did not know this, but today I had a really terrible day because someone that I deeply respected, um, like deeply attacked the book and my credibility Mm. to do it. And like, um, it was one of those moments where like all of my friends were like, look, like you actually gonna have to get thick skin because it's gonna happen mm-hmm. more than you want it to, um, and that's easy for people to say yeah. when it's not them, mm-hmm. but when it's you and you like, I can't, you know. Um, and I had this moment where it was just like, I just want to call my mama, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so to to hear one the acknowledgement of what it does cost um, to, to make, to, to, to do something like this, um, was, was just, I'm grateful. Um, but also cause I needed, I needed this conversation, um, just to just, I needed to just talk to, talk to sisters and just laugh. 
um, and 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 be hopeful. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm so thank you um, for that. But yeah, but you can get the book wherever you get books. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Candice Benbo, C-A-N-D-I-C-E-B-E-N-B-O-W. Um, that's also my website, CandiceBenbo.com. Um, I, I am the daily lifestyle um, education and health writer at The Griot, so Ooh. you can find my words there every day. <laughs> um, but mostly I'm, I'm on the socials. So if you reach out to me there, you'll definitely hear from me. But um, I just, I am, I'm about to cry again. But I, I just wanted to take the moment to thank everyone who has, who's gotten the book, who's read the book, who's tweeted me, who's DM'd me, who has posted about it. Um, this has been the most surreal week of my life. Um, I did not expect any of this. Um, I was, I, I went into January 18th terrified because mm-hmm. I just, I didn't know what to expect. I was scared. And to see what everybody has said and to, 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 to have something like this resonate with everyone, it has just been a joy. Um, and it is, and it is a beyond an honor. Um, and so I am, thank you feel so, so sufficient, insufficient. Um, it's all I got, but I am deeply, deeply, deeply grateful to, to everybody. I am deeply, deeply grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Of course. You deserve fruits of your labor, honey. And it's, and it's resonating. I have, I, I just, just realized, and I don't know if you have five minutes to do this, okay. but we have a tradition here. Oh, uh-huh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember we have a tradition here on the Runaway mm-hmm. Curls because I don't know. You didn't hear the intro. I don't know if you understand that you are the <laughs> duality podcast, Love and Light, Money and Dicks, because duality is a thing. It is a thing. So we have this tradition where we have rapid fire questions. Okay, so I'm getting better at rapid fire, so let's go. (laughs) Okay, Shanti, give us the rules. All right, Candice, you Uh have three seconds to answer these questions. You cannot ask any questions about it. You cannot justify or explain. Okay. You just answer the question. Okay, I'm gonna close my eyes because I do better with my eyes closed on rapid fire. <laughs> okay, you want me to do them, okay. Shanti? Well, you got it. I got it. Okay. All right, ready? Yes. Malcolm or Martin? Malcolm. Generational wealth or familial happiness? Familial happiness. Jay or Nas? Jay. Mac or Sephora? Sephora. Palestine or Israel? Palestine. In the light or in the dark? Oh, in the dark. Prince or Michael? Oh, not there! <laughs> um, Michael! Sweet or savory? Sweet. Marriage or long-term commitment? Marriage. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Whole Foods. They got good Voodoo ones. or brown sugar? 
Oh, that is so, oh my gosh, wrong. Uh, voodoo. Family or career? Family. A seat at the table or lemonade? Oh, my God. It's watching her realize what we're asking for me. (laughs) Girl, come on. Three seconds. A seat at the table. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Evolution or creationism? No, that's not right. Um... Both? You can pass if you want to. Pass, pass. pass. Okay. Uh-uh. Y'all didn't tell me I want to pass. No, on you can't. That's the only one you can pass. That one was a little give close. Grace. That was oh, close. That was wrong. Okay, go Nikki ahead. Nikki or Cardi? Who, Jesus? That's pass. No. Oh, all right, now, girl. I can only. How many times can I pass? We were okay, only giving church. you to pass on the evolution. We ain't want more people on your ass. Okay. Cardi. Cardi. <laughs> Cardi. All right, church girl. Missionary or doggy style? Doggy. I got protection. No. Now this another one for the church girl. Protection or pull out in prayer? I see. I want a baby now, so that's not. That's a different question. Now, well, now, two so years ago, she justifying it. it. Uh-uh, it's either- okay, pull out and pray. That's it. Pull out and pray. Is it Uchi Wali or is it one mic? Uchi Wally is a love song. So it is Uchi Wally. Love Jones or Jason's lyric? Y'all are terrible. Um, Love Jones. Sir or Rumi? (laughs) Hate that question. No. She goes to (laughs) Draws the line there. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Lisa Bonet or Nia Long? Nia. Bell Hooks or Audrey Lord? <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> Look at her face. No. The writer, the author. How dare I cannot. I cannot. Okay. Uh, Make your man a plate or get his own. Oh, then he better get his own. <laughs> I it. Knock if you buck or Annie up. Knock if you buck. 9-11. Inside job or terrorist attack? Inside job. Re- oh. Rihanna or Beyonce? Beyonce. I'm not. I'm trying to meet her one day. I don't, I don't, I don't want to smoke. <laughs> Biggie or Pac? Pac. Skip. Teddy Riley or Babyface? Babyface. Read the book or watch the movie? Read the book. Sundress or sweatpants? Oh, sundress. Flats or drums? Drums. Cardi B or Megan the Stallion? Meg. WAP or My Neck, My Back? WAP. Travel back in time or travel forward in time? Forward. Prove your point or pray for peace? Prove my point. <laughs> Insecure, Issa or Molly? Issa. Fun in your 20s or wisdom in your 30s? Well, since I didn't get either one, um, I'm going to do... No, I had fun in my 20s. Um, Wisdom in my 30s. Love and light or money and dicks? 
Love and light. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, Candace. Thank you, Oh, darling. God, you was so fun. Oh, good. You were amazing guest. You have to come Thank back you. and just chop it I up will. with us. You really yeah, do. Yeah, because, like, so many of these things we could spend an hour talking about. I would about. love to. I would love to. I would Please. love to. This was so fun. Really, like we're I'm 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 one of your biggest fans. I've been talking about you. I actually just talked about you today. Oh, and my homegirl Jade um, and Kia of uh, Getting Grown podcast uh-huh. uh, on loudspeaker. They really want you to come on as well. They're mm-hmm. like Kia is very much it. in the church, and Jade is very much like nope. And they have a beautiful podcast, and I I think it'd be a really rich conversation. I Um, would love to. Yeah, yeah, lots of followers. Lots of it'll be it'll mutually beneficial. So I'll definitely link y'all. Yeah, please do. I would love that. Yeah, but everyone, please pick up Red Lip Theology wherever you buy your books, and make sure you follow Candice because I'm sure this is one of many. Oh. Things that we you also didn't mention us. that you created the lemonade syllabus. So yes, that's, why also, that's why I was so mad many, at y'all for asking me about. Lemonade. I know we know I knew yeah, that, but we didn't mention that. So a lot of people yes. don't even know the ways that they have encountered you in there. They, yeah. um, they absolutely you. have in there. Thank own. you. Ways. So y'all, so shout out to you. I hope you rest. Yeah. I hope Thank you let you. it all out. And Thank um, you. yeah, girl. So Hold yeah. On. This Thank this was y'all. a great episode. So it guys, was. with that, we are out. Bye. Bye. You have just heard an around away curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Aroundaway Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good. feel so much